0: Let's talk about sex.
1: All right. Well, Corey, how are you doing out there? I'm great. Awesome. You know, I was thinking one of the things that I love about Sexy Marriage Radio. What's that? Well, it's that you and I really are champions for the sexy marriage. You know, together we represent about 40 years of marriage, you know, not since we have two marriages here, yours and mine. That's right. (laughs) So when you're married that long, I'm sure you and Pam have seen a lot of couples' marriages just bite the dust. Oh, yeah. Like we have. And and you see... Affairs come in the picture and, and infidelity, and so that's why I'm pretty excited to bring a guest on the show today and, and really talk about how to prevent an affair.
2: That, yeah, that's, that's a great topic that's probably not covered well enough in our society, that it's, it's something that's so rampant, it seems, that we need lots more people speaking up and saying, hey, 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 here's some ways to, to prevent this. And yeah, so, and
1: here's why it matters.
2: That's right. And so here's where we're going, but just before we go there, you're listening to Sexy Marriage Radio with Dr. Corey Allen and Gina Paris, where we are having honest conversations about love and marriage and sex and anything and everything in between. And we hope that you can find us pretty easily on iTunes, Zoom, BlackBerry. There's all kinds of ways that we deliver this show, but you can also find us for sure at sexymarriageradio.com. And we'd love to hear from you. You can call our feedback line at 615-567-3996 or email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And one of the things that we've gotten several emails about is this whole idea of infidelity in affairs. And so today's show, we are having an author of Keep Your Pants On. Her name is Kelly Chicas. So Kelly, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Gina. Great to be on here today.
2: And so what we're trying to do today, or what we're going to do today, actually, is to go through some tips and some ideas on preventing infidelity in your marriage. And Kelly has written a book just on this topic. And so I guess, Kelly, to get started, um, some of our readers may not be really sure who you are. So if you could do a quick, hey, this is who I am, and this is a little bit about what I've done, and then we'll, we'll go from there.
0: Well, sure. I am a uh, clinical therapist in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I own a group practice, and we specialize in couples and marriage and sex counseling. And through the years, there, as you know, there are so many couples who have had affairs, and that seems to be a, a large population that, that we treat as far as having that problem. So the, the idea for the book came in trying to help these couples, you know, get through infidelity. And lots of couples do get through infidelity, but it really came to mind that if we could come up with some preventative tips and things that w- that I know worked with couples through working with them and put it together in a book, that would be really beneficial for them. And so that was how the, the book came about. So I, uh, I still work with, with clients. I also um, do some speaking engagements, continue writing articles and all around the the idea of, you know, infidelity is really a preventable thing. We don't have to accept that this is something that's going to happen in the relationship. There's something that we can do about it.
2: And that's a great approach, I think, because the idea that it seems like popular culture has almost evolved to that, you know, marriage is eventually going to dissolve. You know, it's, it's one of those, it's mm-hmm. not a lifetime thing anymore. Right. And in, in general, in general, thought at least from some of the people I've come across, that it's almost like, well, if this one doesn't work out, well, then maybe the next one will be better. And to me, that's just sad, to to think that marriage has fallen by the wayside. Maybe is that is that your take?
0: I completely agree with you. I think that especially in the media, you know, all we see this everywhere. You know, every time we turn around, there's someone having an affair or on the edge of having an affair or you know, something, and, and typically it's, it's celebrities, you know, but it really does set the stage for, you know, the rest of the country as far as how we view marriage, how we view our relationships, and, you know, whether we're committed or not, and just, just in that alone, in, in that piece, when, when I treat couples who have gone through infidelity, one of the things that is a continual problem is that there are so many triggers out there for the partner who hasn't had the affair. And again, every time they turn around and, you know, listening to the news or watching a movie or reading a book, it's just everywhere and triggers again the, the fact that, you know, there's infidelity out there and that maybe there is no getting away from it. And I totally agree with you. I believe that there, there are ways to prevent it. And we don't have to accept that this is just something that's going to happen in the relationship. And if it does, we'll just go on to the next one. Because anyone who's been through an affair knows the devastation, and nobody wants to go through that. Nobody gets married thinking, well, okay, it'll be for a few years, and one of us will have an affair, and then that'll be it. We'll get divorced and move on. Nobody, nobody goes into a relationship with that kind of, of a mindset.
2: Right. Right. So if you're let – me, let me go a slightly different route then because I know the book covers how to prevent it. So mm-hmm. what's, what's your take on what to do after it? Because I know we do have, I, I've gotten several emails from Sexy Marriage Radio and then even mm-hmm. from Simple Marriage, my other site, that, that talk about this, you know, that we've, we've had an affair or, or my spouse has had an affair or I've had an affair, and, but yet my marriage isn't over and, and they want to recover and they want to rebuild and they want to restore, if you will. So does the book cover any of that as well? Yeah.
0: It does, and towards the, towards the end of the book, there are some sections on, you know, if all else fails, you know, what, what to do if, you, if one of you has had an affair and some of the ways to treat that, and there are, the book is really full of tips on how to reconnect, how to be aware of your own wants and needs and how that factors into the relationship, and all of those things can still be used then, you know, even if an affair has already, has already happened. I think the good news around that is that there are many, many couples who successfully get through an affair and really find that you know, their relationship is actually stronger and better. And, and it's very hard for them to believe that in the beginning of uh, finding out about the affair, right. but that they really can you know, build you know, build something, not without a lot of time and healing and pain, but you know an affair doesn't have to be the death knell of the relationship.
2: Exactly. And what comes to my mind is, I can't remember the exact title of the book, but it was something along the lines of how my husband's affair was the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Yes. I'm familiar with that book too.
2: That it's just, and I've had the same experience with lots of couples that have put in the work to recover from something Mm -hmm. like that, that they do look back on it years later and realize that was a pivotal moment in them becoming better people and having a better marriage.
0: Right. That is
1: so hopeful. And I love that. How, how long, you know since we normally talk about sex on this show how long do you think is, is it completely vary with how long before a couple can even enjoy themselves sexually with each other again is that the last piece or one of the earlier pieces that gets healed
0: you know the the sex is very interesting you know as far as healing from an affair there it really really depends on the couple and, and where they are i've had couples who jump into it immediately because they want to get they want to get reconnection and that is their best way of getting reconnected there are other couples where the partner who has not had the affair has a real stumbling block as far right. as sexual intimacy because they just can't – they can't get over their, their visuals, their, you know, their imagination, their ideas sure. on, on the affair. So um, it really depends on the couple, and it depends on the type of affair, too. You know, there's, there's all different types of affairs, emotional, sexual, one-night stands. You know, there's, there's quite a bit of variation there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I could see where it'd be a whole lot easier to forgive a one night stand or some sexual mishaps <laughs> mm-hmm. than, than finding out my husband gave his heart away for the last three years.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And that's that's typically, you know, women have a much harder time with a man having an emotional affair right. and men have a harder time with a woman having a sexual affair. So I love that. Yeah, it's really interesting.
1: It is interesting because I think women would be more inclined to have an emotional affair. Where yes. is it? Yeah. Yeah. That,
0: well that's what it would seem is that is that women would be geared toward towards that. But, you know, we, men and women are having affairs at, at equal equal levels at this point. It's kind of a it's kind of a 50/50 split as far as what we're seeing. It's mm-hmm. certainly not a uh, you know, male only problem at this point.
1: Interesting. Well, let's get right into your tips then, because I'd love to help our listeners have their eyes opened or, you know, become aware of how to really put some fences around their marriage and and keep it sexy in their own home.
0: Okay, well, great. Let's, yeah, let's talk about some tips that, you know, that couples can do. And again, these are things that they can do, hopefully prior to an affair and, and, you know, hopefully to The awareness, but certainly things that you know can be done afterwards as well. And one of the things that the book talks about is uh, what I have called the five C reconnection plan, and it's based on you know communication always is at the forefront of any kind of relationship issues. You know, it seems to be so. It's it's helping the couple to find some new and different ways of communicating that that were obviously not there to begin with, or the you know the affair wouldn't happen. Or again, to prevent, you know, to prevent the affair from happening. So the book talks about communication and trying to get back to a level or a foundation where the relationship started when it was new and interesting and you couldn't wait to talk to your partner about things. And that levels off after, you know, as, as we all know, after being in relationships for a while, you have to work out a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first tips is trying to really sit down and communicate things with your partner as far as what you know, what's going on with you. Um, we call it small talk versus shop talk, and small talk really being the lifeblood of the relationship. And again, thinking back to where we all were in the beginning of the relationship, we used to talk about things like music and common interests, politics. You know, maybe. Um, you know, common goals, things that, that were interesting about about us and about our partner. And again, then as time goes on, you, you know, you move in together, get married, have children. You tend to go into what we call shop talk, which is more the logistics of the relationship in that, yeah, your conversation might be then more about uh, what's going on that weekend or um, the activities for the kids or, uh, you know, did we get the, the refinancing loan done on the house, exactly. things like that. <laughs> things that are not so sexy, right? Right. Um, what, but we- what? Sorry. Yeah. Going- well, I would love to hear how you,
1: how you, we have those conversations because a lot of us that are married to the strong and silent type, that guy's got one problem and it's not the strong so if we're saying, so honey, you know, if we try to have a conversation, all we get is a, you know,
0: a, a shrug
1: or a gun. I don't
2: know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're all familiar with that. Right. Right. Uh, well, and one of the ways there's, there's so much that goes into communication. And so one of the things that, you know, I talk about too, is, you know, we're finding the time to communicate. So, you know, here. Here it goes into a little bit different direction, but typically we're also busy with our lives at this point that people, all of us, are multitasking all the time. So, you know, are we starting conversations with our partners while we're doing three other things at the same time? Are they doing other things? Are we really setting aside some quality time on a consistent basis to really try and, and communicate with our partners and, and be there and be present and be listening to what, you know, to what they have to say. And many couples that I work with will freely admit that they're not doing that. They're not doing it consistently. They're not, they're not giving it the respect that, that it deserves as far as, you know, trying to converse with your partner. So that's one of the first things to really look at is, you know, are we doing this consistently? Are we giving this the respect that it deserves? And are we really being present and focused on our partner?
2: So you're, you're talking about some intentionality.
0: Yes, absolutely. Right. Because absolutely. that's that's
2: one of the pushbacks I get from people is the idea that, well, if I'm going to try to be more intentional in my communication with my spouse or my sex life with my spouse, that means I got to give up something else. And I don't think I agree with that because it's it's one of those when you're talking about just communication, you know, Kelly, you're talking about, you know, most everybody that's our our listeners. Or you know, been married a while. They probably have kids still in the home, and so the household is pretty active. So they're coming and going, and they've got lots of things going on. So a lot of that schedule talk has to happen just on running a household. Mm -hmm. But you can find—I think we can find ways to steal moments even in the midst of busyness to connect on a deeper level.
0: Absolutely.
2: I mean, I, I know for my wife and I, we you know we have little ones at the house. So six and four is the ages of my kids, and. So, you know, dinner time, we always try to make a point where we're eating together, and then they're done much sooner than we are, and then they go off and play, and we sit at the table still, and, and that's one of our little moments during the day to connect. And I think those kind of conversations, is that kind of what you're pointing towards, are little moments where you, maybe it's only one or two minutes long, but it is laying a foundation for some deeper connection and deeper conversation if, need, if needed?
0: Absolutely. And, and that's a great illustration because it sounds like you all are doing it on a consistent basis that so there is intention there, you know, that, you know, the kids are, are done with dinner and they're, they're going off and doing, you know, doing their thing. And you all have a few minutes. Yeah. Even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes, or even if you are, you know, cleaning up the kitchen together, you know, and, yeah. and talking, yeah. something like that, but really trying to, you know, c- carve those times out. And you're absolutely right. Most couples today, you know, have families, you know, children, everyone has, you know, 50 different schedules that they're trying to adhere to. And it's hard. It's hard for, for couples to do this, but if you don't make it a priority, who's going to exactly. So. Yeah. Someone on Facebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's where the trouble begins.
2: It's all Facebook's fault. Is that what we're saying? Is that, that kind of an well, agreement? Uh, okay. Maybe not that far, but what, that, far. that does open the door for something interesting. What has, the social media influence done to marriage and, and to more specifically to infidelity? How has Facebook, Twitter, you know, all all the connectedness that we have, you know, pseudo connectedness that we have with people nowadays, how has that influenced or impacted marriage?
0: Well, and there are a lot of people who would disagree with me on this, a lot of experts out there. I think that Mostly it has been a detriment to couples and only because couples really have not learned how to use the tools of technology to enhance their relationship instead of having it, you know, be something to be torn down. I cannot tell you how many couples I have come through these offices that uh, the problem started with, you know, reconnecting with an old girlfriend or boyfriend on, on Facebook or, you know, some other social media site. And again, you know, it's a very superficial relationship, you know, as we all know with, with technology, you, you you know, get to know somebody over the, over the internet or reconnect with someone and, you know, you're not talking again, that it, it goes back to you're, you're doing small talk with that person, not shop talk. You're not telling them right. about your problems or, you know, um, how work was that day or things like that. You're talking to them about things that are interesting to you. That's, it's just like dating again. Right. So that's how it can, you know, definitely be um, a negative in a relationship. Now, obviously, technology can be used as a positive too. But again, I think we're not really getting to couples, w- you know, well enough to be able to teach them how to use those tools in a positive direction instead of having it be something to tear down the relationship.
2: Right, because because everything that's out there can be used for something good or it can be used for something bad.
0: Right, absolutely.
1: You know, there's been studies that show the effect of these. Um, tweets or texts or, or messages on the brain. And when somebody gets a, an unexpected uh, chat or, a you know, something comes up, it's blink and it's a message, someone's thinking of them, that brain abs- still releases dopamine, just like little gambling triggers or other addictive mm-hmm. behaviors, that same kind of chemical response in the brain. And so literally there's, we're allowing ourselves in that case to be, Stimulated by by something other than our mate, so that's why it's always useful, like you said, to use technology. I'll tell my I flat out told my husband that, hey, you know, a text message from you makes me happy mm-hmm. because <laughs> <laughs> you might as well use it to our advantage. So I love that awareness of of just just knowing that what kind of potential is out there for good or, or for for harm.
2: Yep. So. Kelly, can you give us um, some of the warning signs that might be that, that maybe a listener is in a relationship and there's some things they could be looking for in their own life and in their relationship?
0: Sure. Um, one of the the first things that we that I talk about in the book is the the pull uh, or the motivation of of pain and pleasure. So you know, really. People people are motivated by two things, you know, just base, you know, base foundational things, pain and pleasure. So either we we're running away from the pain, or we're running, you know, towards the pleasure. And so within your relationship, I would say one of the first things is just the awareness that there's there's discomfort there. There's something uncomfortable going on, um, possibly resentments or frustrations building that you have towards your partner and. And then that you're not communicating that to them. So the first one being, you know, being awareness that there's something, there's something going on and possibly then even finding yourself in a situation where there's somebody else in your life, perhaps somebody at work who is giving you some attention and, um, you know, again, going to that little addictive, you know, brain impulse, you know, like you're talking about, Gina, where, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, someone's, you know, someone's interested in me or someone finds me attractive or someone complimented me today. And it wasn't my partner. So what does that mean? What, if, that, if that really is um, something that, is, that is a, feels like a positive to you, then are you not getting that from your partner? And if so, then why not? And, and that stimulates, should stimulate a conversation right there. So really, I think the first warning sign is just that awareness that there is discomfort going on in your relationship and that you're not, you're not as happy with things as you used to be.
2: Okay. So it's it's really, I mean, Jean and I have talked a whole lot in, in our shows on the whole idea of being present. Mm-hmm. And so what you're proposing is just to be present in your own life, the good and the bad, of of kind of having an awareness of, well, here's, here's what's going on in my life that's good. But then here's also, I'm going to acknowledge some of the things that are bad. And so when I acknowledge that, then maybe I'll have the ability to muster up the courage to speak up about it.
0: Yes. And that's probably where people then fall short because that, Mm -hmm. that again is kind of, you know, running from the pain. Nobody really wants to, you know, acknowledge that and sit down and then, you know, pull it all out on the table with their, with their partner. And, you know, but without that, that personal knowledge of yourself and that personal awareness, that's where people find themselves then. You know, sliding down that that slippery slope into into an affair. Right. Um, you know, many times before they they realize it, or certainly before they intended anything to happen like that. Again, people don't you know wake up one morning and think, okay, I'm going to go have an affair today. That just doesn't <laughs> right. happen. Right. Yeah, it's a slow drip. Yeah.
1: I think when there's a secrecy, you know, for some people, when we we feel that charge of somebody's interested in us, for some people, that's so encouraging that. They kind of want to savor that in the corner and keep this ability to to feel powerful, whereas somebody who's really protecting their marriage is just really honest with it right away and tells their mate, hey, whoa, listen, there's a problem. It's barely a problem, but you know, if I find myself changing my clothes because I know I'm going to look better for somebody mm-hmm. in particular when I'm going somewhere, well, that's, that's enough to make me stay home and say, whoa, there's a problem. So... Right. I, I love, I love that idea of, of using it to open a conversation, even if I've had, I know there's one time I just even said to my husband, listen, you know, the hunk that lives in my house has to at least make me feel like the hunk that works at the store where I shop, you know, if I said, if I can't get your eye contact for three days and somebody else acts like I'm the highlight of his day, when I walk in the store, there's going to be a problem. So to, to know that having conversations is healthy and and not, not a sign of, you know, a huge blow up to come.
0: Well, and absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right. If, if couples could get to the point like that, you know, where they were able to really say those things to each other and, you know, again, it comes back to communication Right. And this is kind of a stereotypical thing, but men typically—sorry, uh, Corey, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> Go ahead, I, you can
2: bash my gender. I bash us as well, so that's all right.
0: <laughs> well, it's you know, it's pretty commonly known, especially in therapy, that you know, men typically don't want to come to therapy and they don't want to have to you know talk about their relationship or you know again drag everything out on the table. Um, but the conversations don't have to be like that either, and. You know, it can't be just as you said, Gina, just as simple, you know, I'm getting some attention from somebody else that's making me feel a certain way. And I'd really like that attention from you instead. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That's, that's along the whole, the whole lines of you're not trying to change your spouse, but you're really speaking up about yourself. And when you yeah. speak up about yourself, you you generally bring about a change mm-hmm. in your spouse it's <laughs> because of the nature of systems that, that we, impl- right. we influence and impact each other. There's no way around it. All right. So Kelly, we got just a couple more minutes. And as, as we're wrapping this up, what, what would you hope a reader or a listener to this, this show that then maybe goes and gets your book, which there'll be a link at sexymarriageradio.com that I'll, I'll point everybody to you so they can easily find, find more information. <laughs> but what, what would you hope they take away from this?
0: I would hope that they would take away that affairs are definitely preventable and that you can have a great relationship, you know, with your partner without having to go through something like this, you know, to you know, to build it back up. You don't have to tear it down to build it back up. There are plenty of people out there, lots of good role models, you know, for couples and if they could just build a little bit of self awareness and take the time and make their relationship a priority the affair does not have to happen. It, it's completely preventable. There are many, many ways of reconnecting with your partner. That's what I would hope that people would take away from, from reading this book. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Excellent.
2: So to up the intentionality with what's currently going on and not think I've got to wreck it all to make it better.
0: Right, exactly.
2: Okay. Well, Gina, you got anything else for, for Miss Kelly?
1: Uh, you know, I just love to emphasize the fact that it, the grass is not going to be greener. <laughs> if, if 50% so, uh, of, if 50% of first marriages end in divorce, it's 60 at least for second marriages. Is that correct?
0: Those are the statistics that I'm reading as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah so the idea that, oh, you know, my mate is a schmuck and this person could be the answer. Yeah, it's such a fallacy. So use any any uh, stimulation or or emotional charge to look at your mate again and say man how can i reawaken the magic in this relationship cuz i am 100% convinced that you can fall in love with anybody so you might as well make it the one you've got
0: i absolutely agree that is a that is a great way of looking at things and i i completely agree that you can you you choose to be in love it it doesn't yes. have to you choose to be in love
2: right and you, and it's just as much a choice on day 1 as it is on day 561.
0: Mhm. Mhm.
2: <laughs> or very, even go that's further. Not very many years. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> not. I, but I I couldn't do math real quick in my head on the fly, so I'm I'm not I'm not trying to go any further than that, I guess, so. <laughs> and Gina to your point of the grass isn't greener. Um, and I think this is kind of what we've been talking about. I love the the concept or the thought that you know, the grass may look greener but it yeah. still has to be mowed and weeded, and mm-hmm. you have Fertilized. to pick up yeah you have to pick up dog poop and all that stuff still, just like every other grass. So yeah. it may look good, or then some one of my clients told me this one that they had had an affair and then got back with their spouse and rebuilt mm-hmm. and were really rocking along real well in their marriage, and he made the comment of yeah the grass looked greener, but when I got over there, it turned out it was astroturf. so there was nothing really deep to it there's nothing there's nothing really alive in it and I was like that is a great way to kind of capture the illusion that's so prevalent of Mm -hmm. of affairs and other relationships as opposed to you know the person that's most likely going to be able to satisfy every pleasure and desire you have is already climbing in bed with you every night Mm but it takes some intentionality and it takes some work and I don't think it's necessarily hard work all the time that, and I think Kelly, you're talking about that too. It's not necessarily hard work, but it does take some effort and some intentionality.
0: Yes, absolutely. The intentionality and the consistency and, and not, you know, not being complacent in the relationship. And that's something that, you know, we don't, we don't learn how to do very well either that we can, you know, we can certainly as therapists help, help couples with is, is how to really learn how to be a couple, how to be a a couple that has longevity.
2: Right. Well, this Mm -hmm. has been a great time, Kelly. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you hopped on and joined us. Uh, This is Kelly Chicas, and she has a book, Keep Your Pants On, and it's Preventing Infidelity in Your Marriage, and you'll be able to find links to her information uh, on sexymarriageradio.com. And Kelly, do you want to give a quick plug, too, to any other place they can find you?
0: Um, well, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, uh, carries the book. And then at, yes, at the, at the website, which is keepyourpantsonbook.com, um, which is also the, the website, I tried to make it interactive and in that there's some exercises on there. There's also an assessment on there, you know, to see what the status of your relationship is. And if you might be, uh, leaning towards an affair, so it's a good tool for couples to be able to look at as well. So good, good website to, you know, get some resources from.
2: Perfect. Well, Ah. Uh- well, affairs are preventable but it takes yep, some effort yep. it takes some intentionality and it takes some choice of falling in love with your wife or your, or your husband every day so Kelly yep. we're, we're glad you jumped on with us
0: thank you very much
2: and mm-hmm. Gina do you got anything you want to shout out before we wrap this whole show up
1: no we love our sexy marriage listeners and in the future we'll talk about recovering sexually from, from infidelity Anything's possible. That's what we hope you know from this
2: show. Absolutely. There's always hope. Everything can be recovered from, and things can always be better. And I think that's even true when you have a relationship that's already pretty good. It can even be better. Well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio. You can find us at sexymarriageradio.com, where you'll find links for Kelly and her book. And we'd love to hear from you. Have a great and wonderful day. (laughs)